Welcome to University, a podcast for young people navigating life's big transitions. I'm Anne-Marie Ceresso, your host. On University, you'll hear stories from college students, you'll get tips from experts, and occasionally you'll hear from a parent's perspective on how to manage this time of change in your life consciously. Find yourself, find your purpose, find your people, and pursue you fearlessly. Hey there. This week, I'd like you to meet Sydney DeCaro. Sydney's a junior at Elan University and traveling abroad right now, studying in Spain. We had a really enlightening conversation about what she's learned on her study abroad semester. And hint, it has very little to do with academics. Check it out. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome, Sydney. Thanks for being here. Thank you. I do want to hear a little bit about you. So we've just met um, a lot of the students I've been interviewing. I know in one shape or form or another, like from one of my kids or experiences I've had, you and I met um, online through your mom. And I would love to you just to tell me how old you are, what, what year you are. Give me a little bit of your bio. Okay. I'm 21 years old. I'm a junior at Elon University in North Carolina. I'm studying psychology. And I'm really interested in the abnormal psychology aspect and the neuroscience of it. My That's goal cool. now is to teach psychology at a university in a few years, many years. But yeah, that's kind of where I'm headed. <laughs> okay, so abnormal psychology, what's that? Just dealing with like mental illnesses and um, the neuroscience behind that. That's like what I'm most interested in because I feel like today we have so many, not problems, but so much prevalence of this today. And I think that there's such a need for research and people there for these kinds of things. When did you notice you first started to become interested in that? Um, let's see. I took an AP psych class in high school. And when we got to the abnormal psych unit, I like was, it was the thing I had the most passion about in school. And I could just feel myself being drawn to this subject. And I had an incredible teacher as well who really just changed my path because before then I always thought I wanted to be a second grade teacher. That was my dream. And then I took this class and I had the most amazing, inspiring teacher and it really just changed my path completely. Wow. So that was in high school. Yes. And then I started taking psych classes in college and just found my home in the psych department. That's really exciting. Well, it sounds to me like you um, kept the teaching aspect, which you said earlier. Yes. So there's like yes. a teaching piece. You, it's not like you want to go practice. You want to still teach. Right. I want to combine those two things. Yeah, really cool. Great awareness. You know, one of the things that um, I'm noticing as we're talking to students um, on this podcast is not everyone knows what they want to do when they go to school. And you've been lucky enough to have that. Did that Yes. help shape where you applied? Not necessarily. It didn't help shape where I applied. Um, but it definitely, because a lot of schools have decent psychology programs, um, but it definitely has shaped my experience in college thus far. I mean, everyone says it's okay to not know. And yes, that's the reality of it. But if you go not knowing, it's so much harder to finish your major in time and that just adds to the stress so I've been very lucky that's know. a really good point not knowing adds to the stress right and why do you suppose that is why um, do you suppose it adds to the stress 
I have guesses, but I want to know what you right. think. In terms of course selection, it's like, where, where do you even start? Yes, you can take courses that you're interested in. But at the end of the day, at the end of your four years, you're, you got to complete a yeah. certain number of courses, a certain number of hours to complete your major, whatever that may be. So, so it's sort of like the stress of if I'm not taking the right courses, I'm wasting right. time. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's wasting time. Just maybe you'll have to add time at the end time you didn't expect or money you don't have to spend on another year to finish yeah. your major. Yeah. I can imagine that's, that would add a lot of stress, like pressure, like this has to be the right, right course so that I don't, right. so I can avoid all those things that I don't yeah. want to have to deal with. Exactly. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's a really good way of looking at it. So you were lucky. You're at Elon, yes. um, and you're a junior. Yes. So and you're traveling abroad. Yes. So right now I am in Alicante, Spain. Awesome. And you're um, tell me more about your decision to study abroad. Okay. Did you always know you um, wanted to study abroad? I didn't really think I would before going to college I no one in my family really thought I would ever leave the United States leave my little home area um, until I went to school in North Carolina I was very much a homebody in high school very connected to my family kind of a nervous anxious kind of person especially when traveling I'd never traveled alone um, then I went to Elon and it's a huge part of the culture at Elon I'd say maybe like 80% of juniors go abroad. Um, wow. So when I got to Elon, I knew I wanted to go abroad because their programs are so great. Um, and then deciding what program would be best for me was a very tough decision because I didn't want to go somewhere with 80 students from Elon, with Elon professors teaching it like they have in Florence or London. Um, but then at the same time, I feared not knowing anyone, not knowing the culture, not knowing the language. Um, That's hard because you're straddling yeah. both those things. Like you want to push yourself a little bit. Right. But at the same time, you want some level of comfort and familiarity. And Right. So yeah. I ended up choosing Alicante, Spain. And it's um, in the south of Spain. It's the province of Valencia. Um, and I live with a family and they're absolutely incredible. And that was also something I feared so greatly, not because I didn't know anything about them before coming here. I just showed up at their door and said, here I am. All right, so, so that was one of your fears, is like you don't know yeah. this family that you have to live with for how long? Right, four months. Yeah, and do they speak English? Um, my host mom speaks some English, yes. She is very helpful and explains things to me in English when I don't understand them in Spanish. And my host sister is learning English in school right now. And my host dad does not speak English. So what does it feel like to be in this foreign place, in a foreign home, all of that, while you're studying? Yeah, at first it was really overwhelming. So many new experiences and new faces, totally out of my comfort zone completely. Um, and not knowing the language at first, too, was really difficult for me. But it was... It's been a great transition for me, and it honestly feels like home here, and I've adjusted so well, and, like, my family feels like family, second family for me, um, so it's just been a great experience. It's also been incredible to get out of the university mindset that we have in the States, um, 
Say more about that. What do you mean get out of the university mindset? For me, it's a very toxic mentality. And I know that I put a ton of pressure on myself and that's my, that's my doing, but also just the societal expectations of a university student are so overwhelming. And I see from my friends studying at school now and me being out here with much less stress, much less pressure, much more relaxed classes and professors, how toxic the environment really is. Wow, that, that's really interesting to me that A, that that's your experience, right? And then B, that um, you're so, it's so obvious to you, right? So tell me, tell me, uh, there's like my, I have 20 questions running through my head right now. Tell me when you first noticed a difference. Probably first noticed the difference when I was heading to the beach after classes. Um, But no, I, I mean, come on, that's like fantastic. You would never do anything like that in the States. No, I in the library for the next six hours after classes. I was at school, but yeah, I really just in talking to my friends and realize how stressed they are and how sometimes they don't even have time to talk on the phone, which is totally understandable. Like, like you can't even spare five minutes when you're at home and in university. It's not that you're so, you have so much work to do. It's that you're so overwhelmed with the amount of work that you can't even take five minutes to breathe. You can't take an hour to go to yoga class. I mean, you can, it's just this overwhelming mentality that you have no time. Why is it different there? What's different in where you are now in Spain? Um, it's definitely the culture that's different um, and the timing of things. People here, their work is important to them, but their family time is number one. Mm. My family leaves work to eat lunch um, my host sister comes home from school to eat lunch and then she goes back. My host dad comes back from work to eat lunch. They have a nice lunch together, take about a 10 minute nap and then go on about their day, which is so nice because it just really breaks up that day, gives you some time to breathe, some time to relax. Um, and also I think that people are just a lot more calm here. Like there's not such a fast paced society and there's not the expectation to be perfect and do everything possible. All the organizations join everything you can get involved with as much as you can and have success in school. It's just not, it's not like that. Yeah. So it starts culturally, the culture is different and then it's sort of, you know, rains down on everything else trickles down. Yeah. The, the, that value system. Do you find that you're having as much academic success as you were in the states more or less or how is it impacting your ability to quote unquote succeed and i use that word really lightly Mm -hmm. Uh, what i mean by that is like to succeed in your eyes to balance your life i don't know first of all why don't you answer this question what does success mean to you oh that's so hard um maybe it's different now than it used to be it is different now. I always tell myself that like grades don't define me. They don't define me yet. I'm always, always trying to get those A's and never satisfied with a B, even an 89. Like to me, that's not success, even though I know that it is success and grades don't equate to success. The learning does. Mm-hmm. When you're in this environment in which you 
are constantly being bombarded by a letter, a number, and you're constantly boiled down to this letter or number, your GPA, your transcript, that's the way you feel and the way, the value that you see as success. Mm-hmm. But here, my classes have been a lot different. They're not so much, they're not so much about academics. They're more like cultural things and the language. So I've definitely just seen my success of, at here as learning things and then being able to practice them in my conversations with people at home or my conversations with people I meet um, just like at a cafe or something like that. It's very cool to be able to use what I've learned in real life application, which mm-hmm. that I see as success here. Wow. And I imagine I'm making up that feels so much better. And It does. It really does. In the beginning, not knowing any Spanish and then learning so much and being able to go have a conversation with someone that I don't know, like at a cafe or being able to like do something on my own and feeling confident enough to be able to communicate what I need. That's like the real success for me here. Yeah. That's a big deal. I think Mm -hmm. you see yourself taking what you've learned here in this experience, coming back home and being able to, you know, integrate that into your life here. I have been thinking about this in my last two weeks so much because that's something that I really want to do. It's just so hard when the realistic application of what you're learning is not always there. You know, we have to check all these boxes and do all these things just to get them done. But where, where do they come into play in real life, you know? So give me an example. Like, where do, where do they get to play in real life? Give me an example of what you mean. Well, just taking a class that's not necessarily something that I'm going to, like, use later on. Taking a statistics course, I learned the formulas. But, like, when am I going to practice it? <laughs> Why is it purposeful to my life? Right, exactly. And I know I, I have to take it to check the box for my graduation requirements. But it's like, what is this providing me with? Yeah. And do you notice that um, you're less engaged and invested in those classes than you are in the classes in where you feel like there's real life application? For sure. Absolutely. I care so much more about the work I'm doing. I am excited to do the 50 pages of textbook reading I have to do for the classes I care about, but the classes that I feel have no purpose, I'm not happy about the work I have to do for them. It, it, it cracks me up because um, I see that all the time and I see um, what our culture does is, oh, they're not doing well in statistics or math or science or whatever it is. Let's get them a tutor. Let's get them extra help. Let's put more time and attention on the things that they're not interested in, not doing well in. And I think that's one of the places in which we cause our students a great deal of stress because we're asking you to do something that's really sort of out of the flow of your natural attention, interest, passion, excitement. And there is an organic way to learn, like learning by following my passion, following what I'm most excited about. I mean, what I heard you say is, you know, in high school when I took this one particular class in um, abnormal psychology, I noticed in me like a great level of interest and I followed that. And that's what we're really talking about in this podcast is, you know, 
creating opportunities and the freedom for you to follow your passions. Mm -hmm. Because when we do that, we're naturally excited about what we're doing. We're happy to read 50 pages. Exactly. (laughs) You also mentioned that um, you're noticing that back home, your your friend's level of stress is increasing. So think back to um, when you were back home at school, what was stress like and how did you deal with stress and overwhelm when you were home and at school? What was, well, yeah. And is there a difference between the students you're interacting with here and the students you're interacting with in the States? The majority of the students I interact with here are all students from the States. Uh-huh. But I noticed, I was actually just talking about it today that like we're heading into finals week and we're not stressed. We're not like, oh my gosh, I have to go study for six hours every day for the next five days until all of my tests were not overwhelmed. We're just feeling very calm, just moving along. Whereas if this was us in the United States right now at our universities, we'd be in the libraries for several hours, feeling very stressed, feeling very sad coming off of Thanksgiving being most people go home with their families and then you go back for three weeks of extreme amount of stress and then you go home again and you have a little break and then you go back stress. So it's just like a very weird wave of emotions. Yeah. I can't even imagine having to be able to focus and study and be available to be my best self under all those conditions. Right. You know, I teach mindfulness as you know, and the whole objective of mindfulness is developing awareness around the places in which we are really shutting down the operations of the brain, right? And so stress Mm -hmm. causes us to get closed and we're unavailable to learning. And it sounds like the conditions you're in now are really creating optimal opportunities for you to be at your best and opportunities for learning. Yes. And I think it has redefined what my best is. Ah, say more about that. Well, I think that if I was in the States, I would define my best self of succeeding in my classes and dedicating my time to my classes, which I, I know now that's not my best self. I'm extremely stressed out. I don't make a lot of time for self-care. Um, I don't make time to do social things. I would probably cancel lunch with a friend and go grab a quick bite, take it to the library with me and eat while I study. And I think that I would be like, oh, that's my best self. I'm succeeding in school. Like I'm prioritizing my work, which is the <laughs> success. Whereas here I am putting myself first, you know, going to the gym, taking time to meditate if I need to, um, going for a walk, having plans with friends, going to get coffee, spending time with my family and making those connections, just really putting those connections first before all the work, because I know myself and I know that all the work is going to get done eventually. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be 10 hours of work put into it. It simply just has to be done and has to make me proud of handing it in, but Mm -hmm. I don't need to feel like I, that's the only thing I need to do. Yeah. It sounds like, like a simple formula, right? Like I, I, 
uh, spoke with a student last week and we, we talked all about balance and self-care and for her balance and self-care meant like only she was very busy, had very, very rigid schedule, lots going on back to back to back to back. And for her balance was about doing the things I love. Even if I'm really busy and scheduled, if I'm doing the things I love, they're lighting me up and they're giving me energy. The other thing we're talking a lot about on the podcast is students find that they don't have a lot of space in school. And what I'm hearing you say is you, you are finding you have a lot of space to expand into other parts of yourself and, yes. and explore those parts of yourself. You even said you meditate. That cracks me up. So tell me more about that. Were you meditating at university? Yes. I, I have had a weird relationship with meditation. Like it comes and goes. And <laughs> I, on my freshman year in college, I, went, uh, I t- took a winter term class on mindfulness and meditation and the history of it and uh-huh. in America today. Um, so we actually, are you familiar with Kripalu? Uh-huh. Yeah, so we went there for a bit. We went um, to the Benson Center for Mind, Body, and Medicine. Um, so we did a lot of different things in Massachusetts, just exploring the history of meditation. So I learned so much through that and I felt like it was so hard to bring it back with me at the university level just the environments clashed for me those two environments but last year I felt myself so stressed out that I really tried to bring meditation into my life so I would meditate before bed usually um, just to clear my mind a bit and here I just like sometimes it would just come to me where in the moment I would just think you know I need to meditate like right now and I would, but it was never like, okay, it's seven o'clock. Like I'm going to meditate now. Like it was just a very more natural experience, which has been really cool. Yeah. It sounds organic. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I teach mindfulness and I teach meditation. And one of the things I'm excited to do is bring programming to college students. Um, the feedback I'm getting is students are finding that there's no space mm-hmm. to get space, right? Like no space. Right. There's no quiet, there's no time for them to go get quiet and still. Um, And I, that makes sense to me. I mean, living in a dorm with a roommate and classes and something's always going on, right? Right. So you have to be very deliberate um, and intentional to create Mm -hmm. that space for yourself. But I really like the way you're describing it here, which is the environment you're living in just organically creates that Mm -hmm. space for you yes it's been really interesting because that's never been like that for me in the past where it's been so natural and easy mm-hmm. I mean in the past at school I've definitely had to put my headphones in and do like a 10 minute guided thing on YouTube but here just being by myself and breathing has been the equivalent which has been really interesting yeah and the difference between I want to quickly speak to the difference between mindfulness and meditation mm-hmm. for listeners out there um, you, what, one of the things you're, you're bringing up right now is mindfulness. Mindfulness is the practice of being in the moment, being here now with whatever's occurring. So it's being with your breath, being with, being on a walk, notice, just noticing your environment as you're in the moment. Whereas meditation is an actual practice where we're sitting in stillness, we're quieting our mind. We're actually not quieting our mind, but we're just watching the mind and we're breathing. And so 
it sounds like you're able to take your practice of meditation and bring it into your moments, which is really what mindfulness is all about. And that's so beautiful. It's a real gift to have. And I'm imagining that it's making you more available to your studies, making you more available to your relationships, making you more available to, you know, the fullness of your experience. Exactly. Yeah, that's really exciting. So do you um, think that you're going to have a hard time bringing that back when you go back to the States? You know, I don't know. I really, my, my goal from this experience has been to bring back the balance I found here mm. when I go back to school. And it's so hard because it's such a cultural thing. It's truly just rooted in the culture. And I've seen that and I've been able to be cognizant of that. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that I can do it, but I'm not sure because it's such a cultural thing. Yeah, I agree with you. And I am rooting for you. Like, I know you can do it and I know how hard it is. And um, I'm, I just want to celebrate all that you've learned. I mean, I think the biggest thing you've learned on your, your time away is the need for this kind of space and balance in your mm-hmm. life and how, and how that time and space contributes to your natural ability to succeed. I think for that's... Sure so important and I love that and that's such a great lesson for everyone to learn and I really want to thank you for um, sharing that experience with us thank you so much and thanks for being here thank you for having me that was really fantastic and I can't wait to follow up with you in six months when you come back next semester and see if you've actually been able to integrate it or how you've been able to integrate it it'll be fun to do a little follow-up for sure yes thanks so much Sydney (laughs) thank you You know, I'm noticing a theme in our conversations lately. Stress, stress, stress. All this stress. And where does it really lead, anyway? What's interesting, I remember after spending just a few weeks over the summer a few years ago in France and Italy, coming back and feeling very much the same way as Sydney's describing. And I set a similar intention to chill out, you know, spend more time with family and friends and less technology time and taking things more slowly. And sooner or later, I noticed myself getting caught up in the culture. It feels kind of like an uphill climb. While it's not easy, what I do know is that this does all boil down to awareness and choice. So perhaps a little challenge for you. Can you notice the tendency to get swept up in the culture around you and try maybe just try and occasionally make a different choice and try it on and see how it works for you. All right. Thanks for listening in. And I look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks for listening to university. If you like what you heard, I would be absolutely thrilled for you to share with a friend and equally grateful for you to rate and review on iTunes. It really helps. You can find more information and stay in touch over at university.u on Instagram or at university on Facebook and Twitter. I really hope to see you there. If you'd like support navigating the chaos and you're ready to create a more fulfilling life, I offer live weekly group coaching sessions every Thursday from 4 to 5 Central Time. It's a place to gather together, be seen and heard, reduce your stress, learn how to take back control of your life again. Give the first week a try for free and check it out. You can find out more at the link below or ping me on Facebook and Instagram for more. 